Hello, my name is Anoa Changa. The Way with Anoa. And really excited to see you guys this evening. Well, actually, I can't see you, but you can see me. So that's good enough, right? Um, apologies for the little delay. You know, my lamp, my extra lighting uh, broke last minute. That's what it is the way here, you know, in independent media, you know, really independent ground level media. Um, I, I have a new Patreon. I need to get that link out to you guys. Definitely, you should definitely support um, and help a sister. I mean, I can get a good, decent lamp. Um, I can get a working computer. Uh, so yeah, so tonight um, I have a special treat for you. It's not going to be a lot of me talking. I know how much you love to hear my voice. Thank you all for being here. But I do have two wonderful guests coming on. First, I'll be talking with my new friend, David Cobb um, of Move to Men. Um, David, I believe from our conversations <laughs> we had earlier this morning, is also a member of the, the Green Party. And if I did my research right, is a former presidential candidate as well. So this is really exciting. And then later um, in the show, uh, I will speak with uh, Michael Salomon, you know, patron saint of the way. Uh, and we'll talk about his piece um, that just dropped today, uh, A Tale of Two Conventions. So um, David Cobb, because you guys know my producer's also name is David. So <laughs> I have a lot of Davids in the house tonight. Um, David Cobb, thank you so much. How are you this evening? I'm doing mighty fine. I know it's a pleasure to be with you and David to meet you. And I uh, am actually going to hang in and listen to your next segment because I was both in Cleveland yes, thank you. as well. So I'm going to be both a guest and uh, a, uh, a participant in the second segment. Okay, sweet. Wonderful. So how, okay, so I mean, it's just so much going on, but how was that? I mean, they, we we spoke, we first spoke um, ahead of the People's Convention, actually, and for, for just to refresh everyone, People's Convention took place the Saturday before the Democratic National Convention was, you know, a convergence, meeting of the minds. I mean, there were so many different events that happened during the DNC week, too, but can you just talk just a little bit about, you know, that experience and then also some of the other things you were telling about from that week as well? Sure. So I want to be very uh, straight up, Anoa, with you and your viewers. You know, I am a revolutionary. I'm a nonviolent revolutionary, but I am absolutely a revolutionary because I know that we can't just tinker at the margins of this current racist, sexist, class oppressive system. We mm -hmm. really have to restructure society. And as such, straight up, I was originally not going to go to Cleveland or to Philly. Two months ago, okay. I had actually said, looky, looky here, I have, I've been to most of those protests and demonstrations, and I had come down on, I'm tired of shouting at buildings, right? I mean, I do protest, I go to demonstrations, but my rule is right. I have the drive to it. It has to be within, say, three, 400 miles of me, so it's my basic community, right? 
But otherwise, just to be another body in the streets, it's not worth the fossil fuels. It's not worth uh, my staff time as a move to men organizer. It's just not worth it to just go and shake my fist. But then I started to get uh, contacted by uh, Imam Paul Hassan in Cleveland, uh, Greg Coleridge with the American Friends Service Committee, uh, 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 the, the Catholic Ministries, who wanted me there to be part of something that they were calling the People's Convention for Justice and Peace, which they were describing as a participatory process where not only Cleveland organizers, but key people from across the country who worked on peace, justice, democracy, ecological protection were coming together to create a people's platform process. And I kid you not, Anoa, within the same, say, 48 hours, I then learn about the people's process in Philadelphia, where the same mm -hmm. thing was happening through Jack Rabbit and Shauna and mm -hmm. the others where you and I met. And I said, something is happening here because I've been to all of the other DNC and RNC protests and very seldom the like workshops, maybe, but never this level of highly participatory, independent motion right. where a interconnected platform uh, gets created together. And looky here, they did not know that they were like, they had not talked to each other yet, but they were both doing it in both places. So I just wanted to like share with your viewers the sense I have something is different. And I experienced that in the streets of Cleveland. I experienced it in the streets of Philadelphia. And then to ease into the big picture, I'll tell you, I think we have to just name it. And that is this, we are living in historic times. That is to say mm. an ecological crisis. It's not coming, it's here and getting worse. An economic crisis. It's not coming, it's here and getting worse. Oh, and by the way, any of y'all who thought that the mortgage debt crisis was bad, which it was, wait, because the Democrats and Republicans have basically recreated the entire structure and formula, it's coming back. And if you think that was bad, and it was, wait till this student debt crisis hits, it's about 10 times bigger. So we have an, an economic crisis and here's the other thing. Mm -hmm. Capitalism can't solve this economic crisis. Capitalism is this economic crisis. So then you add the political crisis where more and more people are experiencing that the institutions don't work for them. Mm -hmm. That all representative democracy was supposed to work and supposed to be uh, responsible to organize people coming together the system doesn't work. That's why the Trump phenomenon and the Sanders phenomenon both erupted as maverick campaigns. I know I'm talking a lot, Anoa, but I wanted to give the big picture first to say this moment that we're in, and then let's add Occupy Wall Street, Black Lives right. Matter, Move to Amend, the campaign right. to abolish corporate personhood, the 15 Now movement, the climate justice movement. Mm -hmm. All these various they cannot be contained within or controlled by the leadership of the Democratic Party as it currently operates. These movements mm -hmm. are either going to fundamentally, inextricably transform the existing Democratic Party or they will destroy it. I, I just don't think that they Ooh. can any longer be contained right. 
where Wall Street financiers and Black Lives Matter and Occupy Wall Street and Move to Men and the climate justice movements can actually be in the same political moment or in the same political organization. Well, we even saw that tension. Yeah, exactly. We even saw that tension. Um, and I'm sure Michael will get to it a little bit in, when, when he comes on to talk. But we even saw that tension when you look at who was speaking, right, at the convention itself. You have your mothers of the movement. And then you have Bloomberg, Mr. Stop and Frisk, Mr. Black Men Shouldn't Own Guns, all on the same stage, all hailing the same, you know, queen, so to speak, for lack of a better term. And it's very, very, it's not even just tenuous. It's very, it, it's, 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 not, it's not tenuous, it's not complicated. Yeah, it's, it's incongruent. Exactly. I mean, you know, Movement for Black and Lives, as everyone knows, or you, if you guys don't know, um, just released this really brilliant platform. It's a year-long process that um, several different groups and, you know, dozens of individuals have been working on really hard. You know, um, Jack had reached out to them in terms of the People's Commission process, but it was, but we knew they had already been working on this process. And I really would encourage anyone that's interested in doing any of this work and movement platforms and things like that should definitely read their platform and, and, and adopt it, <laughs> embrace it, help make it come into fruition because it, it's expansive, it's phenomenal, but but that platform, right, that spirit, that document, that action that's necessary cannot exist within who the DNC is welcoming into the party. I mean, we're excited to have, you know, Republican, basically refugees almost coming in to vote for Hillary, where these are the same people that work with state and local, um, you know, lead Republican leaders to, to gut um, voting rights across and the country uh, for, right. for just, just one example. Right. And, and, and just one example. So, yeah. So I agree with what you're saying about this current. And, Go ahead. Yeah. And so I appreciate, like, that's just one example. There are so many. And that's the reason why I was so excited when I uh, started to, frankly, learn about you, Anoa, and, mm -hmm. uh, like, watched some of your stuff. I mean, look, looky here. I did my due diligence, right? I mean, uh, so I have a sense of you and where you're coming from and, and what you represent, which for me is authentic calls for transformational change. I know that you are working within the Democratic Party as much as possible, but I also see that you are Not first really. and foremost <laughs> authentic about what your demands are. So to me, like, look at here, I'm a green, right? And I'm a green because mm -hmm. not out of idealism. But my cold, calculated analysis about what it's going to take to actually win, right? Because I worked on Jesse okay. Jackson's campaigns in 1984 and 1988. I worked on okay. Jerry Brown's campaign in 1992. Bill Clinton turned me into a green with NAFTA, Don't Ask, Don't Tell, the Telecommunications Act of mm -hmm. 1996, the, mm -hmm. the you know don't, uh, No Child Left Behind. I go down the list, right? And frankly, I mark mark my words. Bill Clinton created the Green Party. Hillary Clinton is going to grow it because of the right. liberal agenda that they represent. And again, mm -hmm. nothing personal. It is just the trajectory historically of what we're what we're experiencing. The other thing I want to point out is this: you know, a political revolution cannot be won, w o n, in by any one candidate, no matter how great she mm -hmm. or he is. A political yep. revolution cannot be run, are you in, in just one election cycle. 
A real political revolution requires sustained effort, an analysis around how power operates, and a strategic plan, not just to tinker at the margins, but to transform social, political, and economic institutions. That's the reason, mm -hmm. as, as a move to amend organizer, to address the illegitimate court-created idea that corporations are persons with inherent and inalienable constitutional rights is my excitement to be working with you and others like you for a constitutional amendment. Because as a lawyer, you know what I know. The Constitution mm -hmm. is the supreme law of the land. And this land yep, yep. is fundamentally racist, it's fundamentally sexist, and it's fundamentally class oppressive. Oh, and these huge transnational corporations are literally going to destroy the planet that we depend upon for life itself if we do not stop them. The Move to Amend campaign is a way to peacefully, and I say lovingly, wage nonviolent revolution in a winning mm -hmm. way. And so to me, all of the things that are in motion now, they've just not been in motion before, Anoa. And this okay, idea, okay. I've got an idea that I'm gonna start to float on this program. The Cleveland Peace and Justice Coalition and the platform that was created through that participatory process, the People's Convention and the participatory platform created through that process in Philly, post-election, let's gather together those two forces and continue to massage and build an independent political demand, uh, independent of the leadership of both of the two parties, of any party for that matter. A political demand where we the people are saying what we expect our politicians, our elected officials, and anybody seeking our votes to respond to us. And get this, I'm talking about the day after the election so that there's no lame duck TPP passed on us uh, to make sure that whoever the lame duck, that, that, that our movement continues, so post-election, and then get this, post-inauguration, let's convene back-to-back -back immediately after the election and immediately after uh, the inauguration to basically say we are not governable by the old rules of mm -hmm. where the okay. elites tell us what we have to accept. Let's, let's take a lesson from Africa, North Africa, South and Central America, the global South, where they actually organize mass movements to force political establishments to react and respond to them rather than us go on bended knee to them. It's a different mindset. Definitely. 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 So, so, so in so thinking about Move to Amend, um, can you just give just a little background? Like, I, I, I love that. I've, I've looked at, I've looked at the website. I love the idea. But can you just, how did, who, like, who put, came together? Like, how did this come about? Well, look you know, here. Where, where is the process? What do we need to do? <laughs> so we are serious. Uh, we are, we are going to amend the United States Constitution to abolish the illegitimate court-created idea. One, that corporations are persons with constitutional rights, and also the equally odious, also court-created idea that money is political speech and can't be regulated through campaign finance laws. Both of those two doctrines are not just court decisions. They're not just individual laws. They're doctrines, right, that have been created by the court that has stolen our sacred right to self-government. And as a lawyer, what really pisses me off not only have they stolen our sacred right to self-government, 
but they're using the legal system to legitimize the theft. They're telling us that that's the law. You just have to accept it. Well, we at moved to men say, ya basta, enough already. We don't have to accept that any more than our forebears accepted that no black man has any rights that a white man is bound to respect. Remember, that's what the Supreme Court said in the Dred Scott decision or Minor versus Hepperset, the equally odious opinion that said women are not persons for the purposes of the 14th Amendment. And therefore, the laws preventing women from voting didn't violate the Equal Protection Clause. Uh, Or how about the Supreme Court decision in Plessy versus Ferguson that said separate but equal does not violate the Equal Protection Clause, which is outrageous on the English language. I mean, you get an F in a logic class, right? Separate but equal doesn't violate equal protection, doesn't make any damn sense. And yet that's what the court said. Here's the point, Anoa. It's not just a legal argument. It is a fundamental call of, and and check this out. For white folk, we call it a democracy movement. For folks who come out of the African liberation movement or who have studied that, we could say this is actually merely about self-determination. Uh, for folks who study or come out of the Central America or South American liberation movements, we would say this is a movement about autonomy. But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. All of those at their core are the same concept. We're supposed to be able to govern ourselves, right? Right. Collectively, we get to make the decisions about how our society operates. And nothing scares the ruling elite more when white folks and black folks and brown folks and poor folks and women begin to actually cut across those divides and in an authentic way, uh, don't get become class reductionist, right? Because I believe that your experience as a black woman has impacted your life and you have a perspective and a, re- and a knowledge that I don't have, right? So I'm gonna lift mm-hmm. up the concept of your identity and the importance of it and then say, let's not transcend it, let's incorporate it into my lived experience as a poor white man and what that meant growing up. And at the end of the day, when we start to find our commonalities around principles and values, we've actually got much more power than we realize, but we have to collectivize our power. So move Mm -hmm. to men has this concept, right? We need to amend the constitution. To do it, we have to build a mass movement that is multiracial, multi-ethnic, intergenerational. We need young folk, middle-aged folk, elders, uh, and we need to actually have a plan. Move to Men has a 10-year strategic plan. It's in writing. We put it on our website, movetomen.org. Go, it's on the front page. We don't hide at all about what our plan is. Yep. The last thing I want to share is Move to Men is an explicitly feminist, anti-racist organization. We okay. are progressive, and we're proud of it. But get this, Anoa. We relate in an authentic way with principled conservatives. We say, you don't have to join us at Movement on our core commitment to race and gender and sexual orientation. If you just want to work on the proposed amendment, then let's work together on that, right? So Mm -hmm. we can authentically who we are. Move to Mend is a progressive organization getting larger, stronger, better organized every day, and we relate to progressives. And when I say we're growing, check this out. We were 12 people in a living room in 2010. Today, we're Mm -hmm. 408,000 people. 
We've helped Very 17 nice. states pass resolutions of support of some sort of constitutional amendment. 650 communities have passed or, uh, resolutions of support, city council or county commissioners voting to support. My yes. favorite statistic, we've been on 350 ballots, Anoa. That's where not just city council members vote, but ordinary citizens get to vote. Right. We've won every single one of them. We haven't lost yet. And we win in uh, both liberal places like San Francisco and Boston, mm -hmm. but we also won in Salt Lake City, Utah. We won in okay. Walker, Wisconsin, which is the hometown of Republican Tea Party Governor Scott Walker. They haven't voted for a Democrat for president or Congress in 40 years in Waukesha. We were on the ballot there. We won 70% of the vote. And get this, Very we nice. were on the ballot in Montana. Yes, y'all, that Montana. The most politically, <laughs> culturally conservative place you can imagine. Mutamin was on the ballot. We won 74% of the vote there. So when I say that we are building a progressive organization, that is objectively true. When I say that we are relating in an authentic way with conservatives, where there is common ground, that is also true. By every objective measurement, Anoa, this movement is growing. And frankly, I think viewers of The Way with Anoa uh, ought to be joining us, right? We ought to okay. be figuring out ways to work together. Because here's the last thing I want to say, big picture-wise, about Move to Mend. We've right. never been covered a single time by the corporate media. That amazing track record. By the way, 22 co-sponsors in Congress. We only had three last session. We've got 22 now, including a Republican, right? So this should be a, you would think this would be a huge story. The corporate media has not covered us at all. The only reason we're growing is because of the internet, social mm -hmm. media, and citizen journalists like you who are beginning to tell our story without the filter of the corporatist and the militarist right. who have actually controlled us in the past. So if you as a viewer of the way with the NOAA are excited by this, go to the website, move to men.org and sign the petition. Not because we're submitting that petition on bended knee to anyone, but because this is an organizing effort. This is how we've been mm -hmm. so successful because we're bringing people together into a shared analysis to actually wage peaceful revolution. I love it. Awesome. That's one of the things that we continue to talk about across my show, Ben's show, all of us keep talking about, you know, okay, you know, even before Bernie Sanders, you know, conceded and, you know, we, the prime member is done. We've been saying, you know, we got to start talking like long game. We got to start talking about next movement. This, this is one of the reasons why I want to have this conversation with you. Um, you know, also, you know, with the Green Party convention coming up and with the surge that the Green Party is seeing, I kind of wanted to, even though I didn't necessarily bring you on here to be a Green Party guest, but I want to just pick your brain just for a few more minutes um, because you're just such a wealth of knowledge and I'll have to have you back again. <laughs> I want to come Okay, I want you to, yay. I told you, you're my new friend, like seriously. But um, but just 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 think about what you were talking about with the move to men and, and, and organizing and really connecting with people around issues that are common regardless of like the other ideological and political spectrum differences. I think that's like a brilliant strategy and we do need to see how we can do more of it because at the end of the day, conservative, liberal, progressive, whatever, there are certain basic 
tenets, certain basic practices that we all have in common because we all got to live and breathe and exist in the same place. And having, as we have seen, even though diphtheria, that's my name for Donald Trump, I call him diphtheria, you know, diphtheria's abbreviation is BP, DT. <laughs> but um, diphtheria and pertussis, yeah. But anyway, so uh, the kids the kids are going back to school. We just had to make sure all the shots and stuff were updated. So, yeah. Anyway, I just, I, my, my daughter was like, did you know? It's like, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. I'm going to have to use that one. But anyway, but what I was saying is that just thinking about, you know, as we look towards, you know, the, the, the surge in the Green Party. I know we had an exchange earlier at the wee early hours in the morning um, about how the Democrats will tolerate someone like Nina Turner. They'll tolerate someone like me. I really highly doubt Democrats will tolerate me. Um, I haven't been a Democrat in six years and I don't plan on running for office as a Democrat. So I'm free to say I've been an independent for six years. <laughs> in Georgia, they have some weird litmus test thing they'll pull out to kind of try and disqualify you. But anyway, but but just thinking about just just a few minutes, if you just have a few minutes, just just, just take on the Green Party. You said Bill Clinton made you go green. The, what, what we're seeing now with the growth, with seeing people going into the party, you know, what 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 your impression is of the strategy and kind of what's going on and what we can look for, you know, um, from the Green Party. Again, Anoa, like my Green Party uh, commitment is not idealism. It is just cold calculated mm -hmm. analysis that to get to the world that I want, as hard as it is to form an alternative political party, it's probably right. easier and more effective to do that than try to work within a party that is, has allowed the, the, the corporate cash to become like a cancer that is mastitized within that entire body structure. And right. then I'm your viewers back to this note, historically, here's what it took alternative political parties to champion at the ballot box, the abolition of slavery, women getting the right to vote, the creation mm -hmm. of the Social Security Administration, unemployment insurance, workers' compensation laws, pure food and drug laws, ending child labor, the direct election of the United States Senate. Anoa, the very fabric of what we today consider the bare damn minimum for a just and compassionate society, that mm -hmm. fabric was woven together by people who were at the time called third parties, our alternative okay. political parties, right? Mm -hmm. So if we want to live in a different world, not just hope for it or talk about it, but actually abolish war as foreign policy. Right. If we want to transition completely away from coal and oil and nuclear power to full sustainable uh, renewable energy, if we want to guarantee a genuine living wage for everyone, if we want to actually dismantle the World Trade Organization, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, if we want to actually make the U.S. money abolish the, uh, the the private Federal Reserve and actually make the U.S. money supply actually democratic, where we control our own economy through a democratic process, see, these are revolutionary things. If we want to do those things, I believe we have to be for them at the ballot box because I believe that that transformational change has got to be done this way. The last thing I want to point out is right. that I know that Bernie Sanders is currently calling for, you know, uh, the Sanders Institute. And he says, let's transform the Democratic Party. Anoa, I'm a little bit older than you, right? So I'm going to take you back and your viewers back to 1984 and my work on Jesse with Jesse Jackson. And I learned a lot with uh, working for mm -hmm. Jesse in 84 and 88. As a white person, I learned for the first time, honestly, 
how to genuinely put myself under the leadership of people of color. I learned about Palestine and international trade laws uh, and the horrors associated with U.S. foreign policy. I learned about organized labor. But you know what else I learned? That the Democratic Party's presidential primary is where progressive politics goes to die because all that energy and excitement and enthusiasm gets completely subsumed and then squashed by the Democratic Party leadership and the corporatist militarists who control that party. And now I'm going to give you a litany. In 84 and 88, Jesse Jackson said, we were squashed by the corporatist militarists, but we had the best ideas and the most enthusiastic supporters. I know what let's do. Let's transform the Democratic Party by creating the Rainbow Push organization to change the Democratic Party. Then Mm -hmm. comes Jerry Brown in 1992. The same experience, enthusiasm, excitement of progressives, squashed by the corporatists and the militarists. He says, I know what let's do. Let's create a new organization to transform the Democratic Party. That was called the We the People organization. Fast forward to Dennis Kucinich. The same phenomenon, progressive energy, enthusiasm, squashed by the corporatist militarist. He says, I know what let's do. Let's form progressive Democrats of America to transform the Democratic Party. Fast forward to Howard Dean. Enthusiasm, (laughs) the excitement, squashed by the corporatist militarist. I know what let's do. Let's form an organization to shift the Democratic Party. That was called Democracy for America. Barack Obama did it. He turned his campaign into organizing for America. With all due respect, Bernie Sanders has been right about almost everything, but everybody gets to be wrong at least once. Bernie Sanders is wrong that he thinks an organization can transform the Democratic Party. That shit don't work. I'm sorry, but it just doesn't. That's my rant. I, you know what? That was pretty good. That was pretty good. I may have to give you. I may have to give you like a five minute <laughs> rant segment every once in a while. That was pretty good. I appreciate you. Know you so I am going to actually because I know that when you are about to do a segment from from Philly to to the uh, or the the RNC to the DNC, and I I, I, I hate to put your guest on the hook like this, but I'm going to now be a viewer because I know we're about to segue, and uh-huh. I'd love to hear if he thinks I'm crazy. He thinks I'm partly right. I'll ask him. Yeah, I'll, I'm, ask him I'm, I'm, I'll ask him that first, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Thank you. So Thank we, you, we are going to talk again, right? We and are it, definitely going to talk again. I'll just probably just shoot you a message as soon as we as soon as I'm done, but to, to schedule a conversation so we can follow up more because we have a lot of different things in the air now to follow up. But we'll, I'll definitely have you back um, to talk yeah. more, not just about move to men, other work, as well as you know the Green Party and moving forward. One thing that I would like to see is with third party options really becoming, I mean, everyone says, well, third parties aren't viable, that they're not viable. It's the chicken and the egg conversation, right? They're not viable if we're not voting. You know, we're not voting because they're not viable. How do we help build and grow opportunities? I really love what I've seen out of the Baltimore Greens so far and Josh Harris and that whole crew out there. I would love to see him win. I would love to. I mean, so, yeah, I definitely want to talk to you some more about that. And and how do we help grow not just our movement work, but also how do we grow third party, you know, opportunities? So I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, guys, I appreciate you guys for hanging in there so far. Next up is my 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 buddy, patron saint of the way, Michael Salomon, founder of Podcast Revolution, Blog Revolution. If it's a revolution, Michael Salomon is behind it. Media Revolution. Hi, brother. How are you? I think you're muted. 
So I'm waiting for Michael to unmute himself. Can you hear me now? Hey, how are you? Yay, Michael Solomon is on my show. <laughs> how are well, you? I'm quite well. I'm grateful for you having me. I'm grateful for you being here. David wants to be, David Cobb wants to ask you, do you think he's crazy? I saw that. Uh, <laughs> my answer to all his questions was yes. <laughs> but good kind of crazy, and I agree with you. Um, <laughs> but so uh, I do need to correct him. I'm not going to talk at all about the RNC. There are two conventions in Philadelphia I'm going to talk about. Okay. One, right, for the, right, right. one for the floor. One for the corporate media, one for the citizen journalist. Awesome. So let's talk. Let's let's let's. let's talk. That's a great distinction, right? Because we did have we had two we had two conventions that were covered by mainstream media, but like you said, in in Philly we had the inside and the outside, and you, my brother, along with Benjamin Dixon and and John and some other folks, were on the outside. You guys were in the thick of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would call it definitely the thick of it. Uh, whether it be the the street level rallies that we went to in downtown Philly or uh -huh. what we saw on the fence line protests, which I think I speak for John, Ben and, and Mike, uh, our whole team that we took a, we, we found love in the, in the fence line protest because those people were there day and night. Mm -hmm. If people were in the convention center, they were there to greet them. Shame, shame, shame for the Hillary delegates and applause and thank you for the Bernie delegates, especially when they, did their direct actions and walked out. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about this piece. Um, you, I, I mean, I love your writing, right? Um, but you had a great perspective because, you know, obviously as someone who was there actually covering it from a news standpoint, right? But then also, I mean, basically there's no way that you guys were just bystanders, you know, covering an event. You guys in some many ways were participants in, 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 in democracy, like real democracy happening in action. Yeah, I mean, people would stop us and thank us for live streaming and trying to get what was really happening out. Um, and I've covered other conventions in the past, but those were all like, what party are you going to? This DNC was, what protest are you going to? And so uh, Oh yeah, go ahead. Well, and I, I feel like our team, uh, Ben Dixon, myself, uh, John McDonald and Mike James really did a good job at getting to almost all the protests. Yeah, every time I'm, I try to check into the feed, uh, maybe it was a break. I remember at one point, Ben was, you guys were running. <laughs> I know John gave out water. Uh, uh, so, so, so just tell me like the overall feel, right? Because I know that, you know, we, we come back now post convention, we're moving beyond the convention and we have unity, right? Hillary Clinton quelled the insurgency, but from following you guys, I know, and many of our viewers know that's not, there was nothing quelled. If anything, people are, went home more motivated than ever. Yeah, I mean, elected delegates who were just serving their post didn't finish out the convention because there was no unity. The imagery of unity was brought to you by seat fillers bust in by the Democratic Party, white noise machines as verified by uh, one of the Vermont delegates for me. Um, just shady camera work in general. It, I don't know how to describe it other than the fact that you have to figure Bernie delegates were 43% of the delegation. Right. And uh, a very small percentage, maybe one or 2% bought into unity. The rest were trying to have a floor vote on vice president, hold signs up against the TPP, and really have a discussion about WikiLeaks, which uh, the impression I got from talking to the delegations we were able to speak with 
they felt they were just kind of brushed off by Donna Brazil and had no real answer to what they saw in those WikiLeak emails. So kind of take me through, like, what was the, like, so, so like on the outside, right? So majority of the time, for the most part, was on the outside, different protests, um, just some of the stuff that you guys covered, you know, maybe through any high points or, or just maybe some of some of just just some feedback or insight into what you what you experienced, what you witnessed. I mean, we watched the stream, but but you were actually there interacting with people. Really, uh, and what I hope to have said about the tale of two cities aspect of things in, in the piece that dropped today mm-hmm. was best of times, worst of times. You know, subversion of democracy or at least uh, disenfranchisement from the party was happening, but this feeling of elation that so many people took time from their lives to come out and, and right. stand for something or against something, however you look at it. But uh, I spoke to so many people that hitchhiked their way there. Oh, um, wow. Camping. They uh, didn't know how they were going to pay their rent because they made this trip. Um, they made personal sacrifice to be there and stand against the coronation of Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. because of that camaraderie, uh, everybody bonded. And with people like John McDonald making sure everybody stayed hydrated, there's also that sense of community of sharing. But again, the fence line protest is what impressed me the most. People were taking shifts to make sure somebody was there, especially near the train stations at all times. And there was a great feeling of solidarity. And I think if you read, there was a piece in Philly Mag today about what the cops thought of the Bernie supporters, which was very mm-hmm. popular. Uh, that translated through the the agitators weren't part of the the bernie sanders or what i like to call our movement since bernie's moved on from it um right the the our people were were good they were maybe a little disorganized i think ben dixon has a lot to say on that i personally feel like the fact that they showed up and they were able to march is organization enough for what it needed to be um the black lives matter folks were organized to a t though I think they've got some more months of experience organizing them. Definitely. So did you get, did you, cause I know there was a lot going on. I mean, there were times where I would look at the schedule, you know, um, of course, you know, for everybody, you know, you guys ch- tuned in, we, we did coverage, you know, on the home front, so to speak, um, dnclive.net, but there was, there was a schedule, there were schedules of protests, you know, going on and there would be like this speak out over here but then there's a march taking place and then a rally over here so it's like so much going on everywhere were you able to so you just mentioned the black lives matter the the philly real justice were you guys able to catch any of that or get you know i know at one point it like it merged with another rally that was happening or protests and and it became a larger (laughs) uh, grouping the black lives matter march that we made kind of merged with a green party march but it was almost appropriate oh, okay. because Yanni was there and Dr. West was there and mm-hmm. it flowed together well. So we caught that one. There were some rallies and Black Men for Bernie were throwing a rally every 10 minutes, it felt like. And <laughs> the first part of theirs and move on to a different one. Those guys are great. They, Shout they out have to Bruce and everybody else of Black Men for Bernie. Um, awesome. Um, and some of their rallies were more like dance parties, too, which were kind of fun, because I think <laughs> especially after Bernie sent his delegates over to Hillary, people needed to unwind and, and boogie mm. down a little bit. Yeah, I think I missed I think I might have tuned out that part. <laughs> but but so, OK, we boogie down a little bit. You know, we, we had the insight. How would you 
how would you compare basically then like the, 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 the continuation of a people's convention, so to speak, on the outside, rain or shine, because I know you guys got caught in rain at some points as well, um, versus from what we've heard about going on in the inside. You know, we, we're now looking at this, this, this movement is now looking at an inside versus outside game. There's some people who are staying on the inside and going to try and plug them along regardless of what happened last week. And there's another cadre, a growing cadre that is really focused on the outside game, whether it's in another party or just being independent and kind of, you know, making it work however possible. Well, the, the rain was definitely a factor. That's the one Hillary supporter I made friends with, though, was during the rain. A wonderful woman by the name of Nina, who by chance watches. We love you, Nina. Uh, but the thing I'd, I guess I'd like to say what the difference of inside and outside is, because the Bernie delegates who were inside came outside. Uh, mm -hmm. What I tried to say in the piece today is there, there were two conventions. The Hillary supporter easily identified in a $3,000 suit. The Bernie supporter easily identified in a layer of sweat and a t-shirt. Um, and that sort of social <laughs> comfort I really felt was the divide, even if it wasn't talked about. Uh, if you were downtown around the convention center, uh, you ran into more Hillary people doing their workshops at the, at the Pennsylvania Convention Center. And they were mm -hmm. often bragging about how much they donated to get credentials and things like that. Around the fence line is where you'd run into Bernie delegates and, of course, the Bernie protesters. And that's where you'd hear stories mm -hmm. about, I have no idea how I'm going to come back from paying for this trip, but I had to be here. There's an economic rift that we've talked about all year long that was quite apparent in who represents right. who. And I think that's true with the media coverage as well. Uh, our team, John McDonald, would often ask people from major media sources if they felt guilty for the way they were covering the convention. Mm -hmm. And they didn't because they were getting their information of two to 300 protesters from magic because they never went out there. We had mm -hmm. some brethren we had to really peer pressure to get out there. Uh, everybody was comfy inside Wells Fargo where you could drive up nice and close. Nobody wanted to do that two hour hike out to the protest zone. But once you did that hike, Right. A whole different world. Um, people were camping in FDR Park. Uh, there were definite hippies, like straight up, you know, singing songs and playing bongos kind of hippies. But there were a lot yes, of just, I heard drums. <laughs> just a lot of concerned citizens. And I think it's fair to say, sure, millennials were a big part of it, but it was across ages, across races. Mm -hmm. The only thing that you could definitely see was there was an income gap between the two sides. Uh, and I think that that kind of sums up our last year. And I think that's a really interesting point that you saw the income gap, particularly when you're looking at the delegates and participants um, between the two, two candidates. When you think of this notion that it is privilege that keeps Bernie supporters from getting behind Hillary Clinton, when in fact, it's actually the opposite. You know, people say that, uh, you know, whether Bernie supporters are not voting or going green or whatever strategy that's being employed, it's because they're privileged somehow. They somehow do not really suffer any hardship or and, and we see that that's that's not the case. Right. We, 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 we have so many different examples. I actually have maybe I'm finally going to write something. I have a friend from grad school who, who messaged me 
um, he's Mexican American. He was just irate. He's like, I'm not supporting her, Noah. We have to write something. Um, so we're going to try to write about this idea that privilege, that not supporting her is, is a privileged position when in fact it's the opposite, that, that people are privileged and that's why they're supporting her and that's why they're badgering and fear-mongering to get people to support her. And I think what you were just saying about how you know, looking at, cause I know, I know several people who were, who were delegates. I know some people were delegates who couldn't afford to go. Um, mm-hmm. and alternates went instead. I know people who, I mean, really, you know, they could have done things with their kids. You know, there are families who didn't go on summer vac- on, on vacations because mom or dad or both mom and dad or father and daughter were delegates. And this was really important. Um, so get their medicine so, because they spent yeah. that money on their trip to Philadelphia. Yeah. See, important. we need universal health care. We need universal health care so people can afford to participate in democracy. See here? Mm-hmm. Um, um, but but what is your sense, though, going forward about the energy, about maybe, you know, we see the two. I mean, it really is two different worlds, right? Even looking at the way that this has been characterized in the aftermath, um, and we, we continue to have the narrative being driven by mainstream media outlets as it is. How How, from your experience, how do you see and your experience just in general, but also your experience last week, how do you see this going? Like, where do you see the potential? I know you guys got to talk with, you got to meet and talk with Jill Stein as well um, during the, during one of the several protests you covered. Um, where do you see this going? Like, where do you see the potential? Like, how do you see this happening going forward? Ben got to talk to Jill on the protest lines. Thanks to our, our good friend, Tim Black. I was able to meet with her one-on-one. Um where is this going? All right. So let's look at the numbers. We know that there are more independent voters and I apologize. It's getting dark out. Um, no, you're we know fine. More, more independent voters than uh, Democrats or Republicans right. at this point. So there are statistical models that show that if you could get a Gary Johnson or a Jill Stein to the debate stage, it's possible for them to, uh, to, to pull just as big of numbers as the major party candidates, if they were to get that sort of attention especially in a year that the two major party candidates are disliked so much and distrusted so much. So how do we do that? That means people like me who've been critical and skeptical of the Green Party have to shut up and put up and say, I'm with Jill, and I am. Uh, I'm going to try to encourage everybody to at least answer a pollster. Yes, I'm voting Green Party if you get asked by a pollster. But if you live, especially as I do, in what they call a safe state, um, that's going to go to Hillary anyhow, protest vote, vote green. Um, and if we start to see polls in October before Halloween that Jill Stein could win this thing, go all in because it's better to dream than to be pragmatic. Uh, mm-hmm. Pragmatics are always taking idealism away from us. We don't get anything done for our ideals because we're always being pragmatic. Look for the excuse to be an idealist and, uh, we might just have it this time around. Um, I mean, odds are against it. So let's get her to the debate stage at least, because the progressive ideals that we've been fighting for this past year are, are best championed by Jill Stein, not Hillary Clinton. Even right. a supporter has to agree with us there that it's a different platform than what the Bernie people were fighting for. Jill's pretty close to it. So let's keep fighting because this is just one year, and as no one I've talked at least endlessly offline about, what really counts is the down-ballot stuff that we're going to get changed. Mm-hmm. Yes, the presidential ticket matters, but 
the real change, and as David, your guest prior, spoke to, we've got to start tackling the campaign finance and uh, and the local offices. We this this has got to be a priority. I don't yep. care if you go in and skip the presidential ballot, vote down and vote progressive. That's that's good enough for me. But uh, we keep organizing. Kashama Sawant and Socialist Alternative did great trainings on the ground in Philadelphia. That's what I heard. Around their vision for a party of the 99%, a coalition party. Okay. Um, I think that along with your friends at Brand New Congress, all these different things working in synergy, something mm -hmm. magic could happen. What does that take? That means all of us just still staying alert, not giving up. That's so important. Don't give up. Remember my catchphrase. I don't know if you can see because it's dark. Your TV lies to you. Your TV lies to you. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Someone earlier said you need to add New York Times and Washington Post and the list goes on. <laughs> that is um, great. But, you know, be the media, run for all, all these things that we've talked about all year are still true. Nothing mm -hmm. changed because Bernie went the other direction. Absolutely. That's all I've done. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, and he, and he went back to being independent. So, I mean, I, I really think that's a signal to some. To, I think he gave us a signal. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you so much, uh, uh, Michael. I appreciate you for joining me. And of course, as always, you are always welcome to come and chat with me anytime. I owe you so much. Um, you and Ben and David Grossman and the rest of the team here at Progressive Army. Um, it is it is time for me to say bye. I, I This went really fast. I had two awesome guests this evening and I will definitely catch you guys next week, Tuesday. Um, if you um, don't get to watch the show live or if you know someone who would like to check it out but can't watch, check go over to my website, thewaywithanoah.com. Thank you, Michael, for helping me get that set up. Um, my show is a podcast now. Uh, so you can catch me on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Player FM. Yeah, I'm in there. I'm in like playing. Um, just to close out real quick, uh, today is James Baldwin's birthday. Um, and James Baldwin, I think it ties into what both David and Michael talked about this evening. Um, nothing ever, not, well, I'm a little excited. Try to wrap up because Ben's coming right now behind me. But not everything that is face can be changed. But nothing can be changed until it is face. All right, I'm out. See you guys next week. The way with a Noah.